Let's pray together to kind of focus our minds, and then I want to preach to you just for a few minutes this morning. Father, we're thankful this day, as we've already celebrated in so many different ways this morning, but we come now uh, to the Word of the Lord, and we ask you, Lord, to prepare our hearts, prepare each person who is here to receive today, and God, let this really be the greatest Christmas that they've ever experienced because you have become real to them in their lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of Luke, the second chapter? Uh, and as you're doing that, let, let me just remind you, over the past couple of weeks, I've been talking to you about making Christmas great. And so I'm going to continue that today. Uh, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about some secrets to Christmas. And then last week, we talked about how uh, that Mary in her life, how that she rejoiced in the God of her salvation, how that she magnified the Lord. We talked about different aspects of how that uh, we could live in our life uh, today. But Luke, the second chapter, and I want to begin in the eighth verse, and I'm going to read a longer passage than I normally do, but I think it's needful on this morning. Uh, the Bible says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be a cause of great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, I don't know about you, but I like that. I want the favor of God to rest on me. When the angels had left them and gone into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, this morning, I want to talk about this subject. I want to talk to you about Christmas is, okay? Uh, Christmas is. What, what is Christmas? A lot of people, well, Christmas is to retailers the time that they make money, right? From Thanksgiving until Christmas, they try to make as much money as they can, and we try to spend as much as we can. Christmas is to a lot of people Santa Claus, and I guess that's all right. Christmas is getting together with family and friends. Christmas is holiday parties. Christmas is. But when you begin to read this passage, you find out that whatever those things are, they're second, third, fourth, 20th down the list, that Christmas really is much more than parties and celebrations and going and having another, you know, uh, hanging out time with your family and your friends and eating until you can't eat anymore. And, and so when, when we begin to look at what it is, we, we want to bring some things into our life. And so that's what I want to talk to us about today. Look in verse 11, if you would, of that passage I just read to you. It says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, that word Messiah means Savior, means the one who they were waiting for, the one who was coming to redeem them. So the first thing today that Christmas is, Christmas is Above everything else, Christmas is salvation. 
The Bible says that Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sins. Now, I don't know about you, but I have found out that sin is everywhere. I mean, I, I can't go anywhere that there's not sin. I, I hate to tell you, there's sin even when you come to church. I, I've, I've seen it exhibited. I've seen people walk up and say, you got my seat. That's, that's sin. That's selfishness, right? Come on. Um, I, I've, I've seen people almost run over somebody to get a parking place, you know. I've, I, mean, I mean, sin is everywhere. Sin, sin permeates this world in which we live. We live in a fallen world. We know from the book of Genesis that when mankind disobeyed God, that sin entered in, and it will continue until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and whatever you understand about the end of days. But sin is going to be part of this world. In fact, the apostle Paul uh, talks to us about how that sin operates in our own lives. The apostle Paul said, those things that I would not do, those are the things that I find myself doing. He said, there's a law that worketh within me. It's called the law of sin and death. Now, the Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die, right? And, and so when you begin to look at that, what all of us know is this, is that, number one, we know that this natural body is one day going to lay down. You know, uh, it doesn't matter how well you take care of it, and I think you ought to take care of your body. I think you ought to exercise. You ought to eat right as much as I've already talked about not eating right. All the things that you ought to do, but we all understand uh, that even with all the advancements of medical science and technology, that one day this body is going to lay down and die. doesn't matter if you get cryogenically frozen. Uh, they're not going to reanimate you somewhere down the road. All right, so we've got to come to that place where we understand that, that the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. Now, having said that, though, the Bible says that the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus Christ came to this earth not so that we could live forever on this earth. Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins so that we could have eternal life. It's, it's not about uh, living here, uh, and some of us miss that. It really is, however long you live here, if you get 90 or even 100 years upon this earth, compared to eternity, that's but a blink of an eye. It, it's nothing compared to what eternity is going to be. I don't know about you, but some concepts mess with my mind. One of those concepts is eternity. When I try to begin to wrap my brain around it, some of you are probably smarter than I am. Maybe you can get it. But when I start trying to wrap my brain around eternity, I get a headache. I mean, it's just overwhelming when I begin to think about it. I get heart palpitations, a little fear enters in. I go, man, I don't know about this. But you know what? That is where the majority of what we call life is going to be lived, is lived in eternity. So Jesus came to give us the opportunity to experience that life. And the Bible says in John 10.10, 10, Jesus said the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's what Satan does. He kills, he steals, he destroys. But Jesus said, I am come that you can have life and that life more abundantly, that you can live under the banner of salvation, and that because of that, that this life that you are now living is lived in the power and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, so Christmas is about salvation. 
And, and we need to express that. We need to talk about that. Uh, when we get together with our family and friends, we need, yes, celebrate the, the family stuff. Celebrate, uh, you know, Santa Claus. Do all of that stuff. But in the midst of that, don't forget that Christmas is about salvation. Christmas is about what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf. And guess what? Whatever gift you get, however wonderful it is, however much it costs, there is no gift greater than the gift of salvation that Jesus Christ brings. And so first of all, Christmas is salvation. But secondly, look in verse 12. Verse 12 says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes or cloths and lying in a manger. The New, uh, King James Version says wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, I used to read that growing up, swaddling clothes. I thought, oh, that's nice. That's, you know, a little soft blanket that they put Jesus in. And then I got older and began to do some research, and I found out that swaddling clothes, the best term, term that we could understand, swaddling clothes is like burlap it's rough it's it's not a nice thing you know Jesus was born in a stable they didn't have nice things to wrap Jesus in here come watch here comes the king of glory to this earth he's born with the animals and then they don't even have the right things to wrap him in they look around in the barn there look around in a stable there and they find some old rough something that some feed has come in and they get that and they wrap Jesus in swaddling clothes now I don't know about you but that's not how I want to treat a baby and yet that's how the king of glory was created that's how he was brought into this earth that's how we see him entering into this world so secondly Christmas is not only salvation Christmas is also identification now, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by identification? Well, let me help you again. How many of you know that an omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God is overwhelming? Right? I mean, I, I don't understand the complexities of God. Every time somebody starts arguing with me about how God is and who he is and how he manifests himself, I just look at them. People say, I've got the Godhead figured out. Really? How can a finite human being understand an infinite God? All right? I mean, the, when, when you read about the God of the Old Testament, I, I can't identify with that. But I can identify with a baby. I can identify with one who comes to this earth in a lowly way, and he, did, he didn't arrive in a palace. He didn't come to a mansion. He came to a stable so that everybody could identify with him. And I want to tell you, you and I have the right to identify with Jesus Christ. He, he's given us that ability. The, the Bible says it this way about Jesus. It said, in all points, he was tempted like we are, yet without sin. Do you know what? When you're going through a struggle, you're going through a turmoil, you're going through a tough time in life, guess what? You can identify with Jesus because he understands what you're going through. You say, I, I, I don't think anybody understands what I'm going through. Well, the Bible says Jesus understands. Why? Because he has experienced it. He has experienced being lonely. He has experienced being tempted. He has experienced being uh, full of heartache. He, I mean, whatever it is that we experience, Jesus has experienced that. So therefore, now we can identify with Jesus. When you talk about God, it's overwhelming. I, I love how theological we get and how religious we get. Oh, no, I understand. Really? How can you understand God? 
the one who is beyond. A, the Bible says his ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. In fact, it goes on to say that they are beyond your understanding. But Jesus I can understand. A baby born to a mother I can understand. One who lived 33 and a half years upon this earth, I can identify with him. And so Christmas is not just about salvation. Christmas is about identification, about identifying with Jesus Christ and what he means in our life. And so all of a sudden I can understand. That's why the Bible says that now we can approach the throne of God boldly to make our petitions known. Jesus said to his disciples one day, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And they were thinking he was going to give them some big theological thing. And what Jesus said was, he said, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven. He said, approach God as your Father. He said, you need to come to that place where you identify yourself with God. The Bible says it this way. It says that now you are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Jesus came to this earth so that you could identify with him and become an heir and a joint heir with him and so that you have the right to go boldly before the throne of God to make your petitions known. Now that's exciting. That is wonderful. That's one of the greatest things that you've been given upon this earth is that you've been given the right to identify with the King of kings and the Lord of lords who came to this earth as a baby. Look in verse 13. Verse 13 says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying. The third thing that Christmas is, and this is the one that we get, the third thing that Christmas is, Christmas is celebration. Amen? I mean, it really should be. It ought, to, it ought to be an exciting time. Have any of you have a, had a few moments in the past couple of weeks that you lost the spirit of Christmas? Come on, anybody beside me? I was, I was out Friday, and uh, I was trying to rush back to the church to do I don't even remember what. I was trying to get back here to do something, and, uh, and I got caught in the traffic. And I wasn't blessed. And, and, and I was frustrated, and I was saying things like, come on, can you not get out of my way? And it was just me and Jesus in the car at that point. And, and, and I, I was, you know, I was hitting the steering. I, I'm a very aggressive driver, and I was kind of like I am in life. But anyway, and it was like, could you people move? They couldn't. And then it suddenly it dawned on me, and I started laughing at myself. I thought, you've been preaching a series on, <laughs> on making Christmas great, and you're violating everything you've told everybody. I said, forgive me, Jesus, I'll do better. But, you know, it, it really is. It's, it's kind of that whole thing of, of at the last minute doing the stuff, and you're experiencing all the, the turmoil and all the things, and, and, and a lot of you right now are so stressed out, you know, because we threw a service in on top of you. And, and so, you know, you guilt literally came to church today, but <laughs> sorry. Uh, you knew you couldn't go to heaven if you missed his birthday party. And so <laughs> we'll pray for all those who did that don't go straight to hell. But anyway, uh, kidding. 
And, and, uh, but, you know, you got, you got a dinner somewhere today, and then you got an afternoon lunch and tea with somebody, and then you got to go to grandma's later this evening. And then, uh, you know, I mean, you, you already got eight things to do today, and you're sitting there right now going, man, I hope he doesn't preach long. I hope he gets through. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Hang on. Give me 13 more minutes, I'll be done. All right? The, the, the process is kind of interesting, but you miss the celebration. Now, some of you still have little kids. That's when it's fun. I don't, I don't have any at this point. I've got grown children and no grandchildren, and they're working on that, praise the Lord. And, uh, and uh, I love to embarrass my daughter sitting on the front row. And uh, the, 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 the process, though, that I found is that when your kids were small, you, you, it was fun. Christmas was fun because you watched the kids. But as, as that, you kind of go through that, then it's kind of, oh, man, we got to go have another dinner. We got to cook. We got to do that. But really, Christmas is about celebration. Christmas is about celebrating the Lord and Savior who came to this earth. It's about rejoicing, and I want to encourage you over the next few days as you spend time with your family and friends, I want you to celebrate what Jesus Christ has done on this earth, that he came, and you now have the right to live what I talked about a while ago, that abundant life that Jesus Christ came to give you. Look in verse 16. Verse 16 says, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. The fourth thing that Christmas is, Christmas is habitation. Now, what do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. When you study the Old Testament, you find that God would periodically show up in different forms. He appeared to Adam and Eve somehow in the cool of every day when they were in the Garden of Eden. There was this concept that God would come, he would walk with Adam and Eve, they would have these great conversations, and then he would leave and then return the next day. Uh, we, we find in Scripture where God appears to different of the patriarchs and the, of the prophets. He would speak to them. Uh, Moses had such a great relationship with God that one day Moses gets so hungry to have a real fellowship with the Lord that Moses says, Lord, I just want to see you. And, and God says, Moses, if, you know, if I let you see me, I'll have to kill you. Right? I mean, that's what he said. He said, if you see my glory, you'll die. He said, here's what I'll do. I'll put you in the rock, in the cleft of a rock, and, and, and I'll pass by you. And, and then when I'm already by you, I'll just lift my hand off of you, and you'll just see the departing glory. And the Bible says that the glory was so great that when, when Moses came down off of the mountain, that his face was shining, and it freaked the people out. And they said, put a veil over your face. You are weird. Right, but why? Because they did not know what it was to have God uh, in, in a way that they could understand. Uh, and again, so you go through the Old Testament and you find that God shows up. He shows up in what uh, theologians call theophanies, which are angelic forms or human forms, and, and he comes. But he does not dwell with mankind. But the New Testament tells us, and Jesus tells us, he's, Jesus looked at the disciples one day, and he said to them, he said, I am now with you, but I am going to be in you. He said, it's not good for me to stay with you. He said, I need to go away so that I can send the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and when he comes, he will testify of me. And so we see that great uh, scene there in Scripture where the disciples gather and the others with them at the Mount of Ascension, and Jesus is caught up, and they're all standing there going, where'd he go? And the angels show up, and they say, why are you looking into the heavens? 
Jesus told you what to do. Go wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Ten days later, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that there was suddenly a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were assembled. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues. And the Scripture says it was noised abroad. And people came from everywhere to see what had happened. Here's what I want to tell you. When you understand the habitation of God Almighty in the life of a person, it will bring about something so miraculous that people will want to know what's going on. See, here's what I want to tell you. If we would really understand that Christmas is habitation, and it's not just once a year that we celebrate it, but literally we celebrate it week in and week out every day of our life, then wherever we go, God is. Do you know that wherever you show up, there's God? If you are a child of God, wherever you go is a place of God. You say, well, you know, that that's not a holy place. It is if you show up. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go hang out in unholy places. But I am telling you, if you have God in you, when you show up, there's an Old Testament word called sanctification. And that just means to take something that is natural and to make it holy. They took vessels that they made out of gold and they formed out of brass and all of those things, and then they sanctified them to the Lord. They set them apart unto God Almighty, and then God says, now you can use these in my temple to worship me and appraise me. God has come to this earth to bring habitation to our lives so that, watch, he now sanctifies us and he says, now you are set apart to me. My spirit resides within you and now you can bring me glory. Do you realize, listen to this, do you understand that you are the glory that Jesus looked to when he was hanging on the cross? Here's what the Bible says. The Word of God says that Jesus despised the shame of the cross, the whole thing that went along with it. But looking to the glory, he endured the suffering of the cross. It's not talking about his glory. He already had glory. He had had, had glory from ages before. He was looking at us, and he saw us coming into his kingdom, having the habitation of God set up in our lives, and he said, because of that glory, I will endure the suffering of the cross so that I may then come and live in the heart and in the life of those who choose to walk in relationship with me. I want to tell you, you can't get a greater revelation of Christmas than to know that God Almighty now dwells in mankind. What a wonderful revelation. What a great thing to know today that Jesus Christ came to this earth, but he also now lives in my heart and in my life. And so that makes Christmas wonderful. That makes Christmas the thing that we ought to all look to. But the last thing, look in verse 17 and 18. It says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, we've talked about Christmas being salvation. We've talked about Christmas being celebration, all of these things. But last thing, and I want you to hear this today, is that Christmas is proclamation. Proclamation. 
What do I mean by that? When the shepherds heard it and the shepherds experienced it, then the shepherds had to tell it. There is something about hearing about a Savior that is wonderful. But just hearing is not enough. I not only have to hear that there is a Savior, but I have to experience that Savior. But once I have genuinely experienced a Savior, I cannot keep it quiet. People who are secret disciples scare me. You understand? You know, the, the New Testament talks about secret disciples of Jesus. Uh, that's kind of interesting to me. Uh, and I meet some people who I think that, you know, they're, they're good secret agents. Because nobody, nobody has a clue where they work that they're a believer. Nobody knows in their neighborhood that they're a Christian. Nobody that they are around understand that Jesus Christ has made a difference in their life. But I want to tell you, if you really understand what Jesus Christ has done for you, you cannot keep it to yourself. You, you cannot just, well, thank God I'm saved and my family's saved and we're going home to be with Jesus one day. No. Because every time you see somebody struggling, every time you see someone who's without, all of a sudden you've got to say, wait a minute, I, I need to tell them about Jesus. That's what these shepherds did. They, they heard about it. They, they, they heard it with their ears. They saw it with their, with their vision. And then they went out and proclaimed it with their mouth. You and I have got to come to that place where we not just hear about it. There's, there's going to be a lot of talk during this time about Christmas. I mean, I've even noticed that on television and on different news channels, they're talking about Jesus. But you know what? Just talking about him is not enough. You've got to experience him. You've got to let him come and set up his kingdom in your heart where he becomes the one who inhabits your life. And it's interesting as you look at that as, as through the years I've noticed that when we receive Jesus in salvation, thank God that he's a savior. But not only does he need to be our Savior, he needs to be our Lord. Say, so what's the difference, pastors? Well, a Savior is one who gets you out of a mess. If you're drowning, a Savior can be anybody who can pull you out. But the Lord of your life is the one who gives you the direction for your life. And you know what? When you come to that place, not of just receiving Jesus as Savior, but also allowing him to be Lord, your life begins to move into dimensions you never experienced before. And so Christmas is a wonderful time. Christmas is that time that we look forward to all year long. Some of us just look forward to it because we're going to get a few days off work. Others of us look forward to it because mom or grandma or somebody's going to cook our favorite meal. Some of us look forward to it because we gather together with family that we haven't seen maybe since the last Christmas. But you know what? As wonderful as all of those things are, Christmas is much greater than that. Christmas is 
about God Almighty sending his only begotten son into this world that whoever believed on him would not perish, but they would have everlasting life. And so today, as you celebrate, as you enjoy all the things that this season is, I want to tell you, the greatest thing about Christmas is Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you more than you'll ever know. And he's here today to save you and to let you know how much he cares.